The Nonprofit Comeback Podcast with Garrett Housel. All right, welcome back to the Nonprofit Comeback Summit. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're excited uh, to see you and for you to hear us. Uh, today, I'm talking with Kyle, Kyle Cavis, right? And uh, she's absolutely wonderful for a lot of reasons. But today, we're talking about um, how to use and leverage non-traditional marketing in order to grow uh, visibility for your organization, which is a really important uh, conversation to be had, in my opinion, right? Um, so, Kyle, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know that you've been in, in the PR area for, for 10 plus years, and uh, you're absolutely phenomenal at what you do. Uh, but what else is there to know about you? Well, thank you so much, Garrett. And first off, I just want to say I really appreciate you putting together this nonprofit comeback summit and allowing me the opportunity to participate. Um, I'm especially excited to talk about non-traditional marketing today. As mentioned, my name is Kyle Cavis, and I am the owner and communications consultant at Oregon Public Relations. I'm also the president of Uplift Leadership, which is a nonprofit. And the majority of my background has been spent in marketing and PR for not-for-profit organizations like Young Entrepreneurs Business Week and Oregon Public Broadcasting and Better Business Bureau. So talking at an event like this really means a lot to me and, and is in sync with some of the work I've been doing my entire career. There you go. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation. Um, and, and, you know, I think the, the first and most important question in, in regards to uh, this topic is what exactly is non-traditional marketing? Because I have a feeling everything I'm going to say is probably traditional marketing. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing, Garrett, when it comes to traditional versus non-traditional marketing is the definition of those two words keeps changing and evolving mm. over time. If you'd asked me 20 years ago, what is non-traditional marketing? At that time, it was social media, it was email marketing, it was SEO, which were just kind of starting to take root. Mm -hmm. um, and then their traditional marketing was more like TV commercials and print advertising right. and billboards. Um, and in today's world, in 2021, I don't think we can say that e-marketing is considered uh, non-traditional anymore. It's oh. become more mainstream. Yep. So as we enter this interesting time with the pandemic and with social distancing, I really believe that the next phase of marketing, of non-traditional marketing, is really called feel-good marketing. And mm -hmm. it's taking into account that people are overwhelmed with negativity and with, you know, sad news and bad things happening with yep. social injustice and political unrest. And uh, we're looking for something more uplifting. We're looking for marketing that really touches the heart and gets people excited to go back to work. Wow. That's awesome. You know, when, when you started answering the question, I thought it was going to be a trick question like, oh, now they've flip-flopped and now the TV commercials are where it's at. But um, so could you tell me a little bit more about like what tangibly does feel good marketing look, look like? Because in, like in, on my first impression of that is thinking of a couple of people. I know a, a nonprofit who uh, just sends positivity through social media. They give uh, 30 second pep talks. It's called Pep Goes Viral. I know this lady who's, who's making a living by recording a, a three minute motivational comment 
um, and sending it to a whole bunch of people every morning for the entire year and just spreading positivity and, and good vibes. And so um, what are what are some other kinds of things like that that you would consider non-traditional marketing? Yeah, when I think about non-traditional marketing and feel-good marketing, it's really looking at the other person. So maybe that other person is a donor or a partner or it's someone you serve through your nonprofit um, and thinking about how can you make them feel good? Mm. When we look at experience, when we look at, um, you know, the limelight, look at gratitude, look at all these different things we can be doing to make someone feel special when they interact with the brand. Uh, I like to think of experience as something that people don't just get when they're with you in person at an event or engaging in your program, but really kind of the before, during, and after of engaging. Um, So that means every single phone call, every email, every virtual meeting, it's all amounting to how that other person feels when they go back and forth with your brand. Is it a positive experience? Is it a consistent experience? Do they feel like they got some value out of their time with you? Um, So a lot of the things that organizations are doing to create a positive experience translate directly to the individual and how that person represents the organization. Right. Right. And, and, you know, like everything you're saying makes sense and it, and it sounds wonderful. And, and I think it can all kind of be described as, as relationship building, right? I think that everything we just talked about is predicated on having a relationship with these people because otherwise we wouldn't know what makes them feel good. Right. And so what level of um, importance would you place on like uh, personalization or, or specificity on the gift towards that person or, or for that acknowledgement. Absolutely agree with you, Garrett. It seems to me that we don't spend enough time giving love and appreciation to the people we're currently engaged with when yeah. we're too focused on getting new business and getting more money from different sources. Uh, we don't take the time to circle back and to really, as you said, keep that relationship going and continue to build trust. So when we think about the experience, it's really about reinvesting in how we treat people and how we engage with them. Are we keeping up? Are we following through on what we say we're going to do? Because really that's everything. Mm. And and I feel like that's just living, living a life of integrity or, 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 or some level of ethic ethics, you know, Um, and, and the higher caliber of ethics that you, you possess is, is going to, uh, stimulate more, more success in, in your life, in your organization. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of Gary V as a lot of people who know me well, know very well that I like Gary V. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that he does is, is he personalizes it, but he, he does that all the time. And he told this story, uh, a couple months ago, about a long time ago, when he sent a bottle of wine that someone had been asking about, but didn't buy. And he just sent it to them for free. And that resulted in like $800,000 worth of, of business because of that one wine bottle, which was like, what, 60, 60 bucks. It came back hundreds of thousands, hundreds of times over. Right. And so this relationship really is a super important part of it. And just understanding and knowing um, your audience, your donors. Right. So in what ways are we able to engage these people um, that, that shows a really effective 
not conversion rate, but effectiveness in terms of building that, that relationship and the awareness and visibility of an organization? Yeah, the whole idea of relationship building and trust and authenticity really go a long way, especially when you're talking about making someone feel special by kind of going the extra mile for them. Uh, I think that means a lot and the customization means a lot. Um, and also taking a step beyond that and, to, and saying, you know, within this relationship, it's not just about me sharing my message and the other person receiving, but you've heard the old adage about it's not a one-way conversation. Mm -hmm. No organization is successful when they're taking a megaphone and just shouting their message out into the world. Right you have to be able to take information in, adapt, adjust, respond uh, to be the best possible servant for the people who you're working with. Yeah. Yeah. It's a two-way street, you know, and, and there's a big difference between talking to somebody and talking at someone. Right. And that's, I think a really important distinction that needs to be made what you're talking about where these, these organizations have a, a microphone in front of them. They're just talking at people and, and the, it's noise. It's becoming even more noisy nowadays. And so um, we have to cut through that noise. And, and so I, I guess what you are, are claiming is that the way to cut through that noise is by being personal, by, by reaching to them and, and helping them feel better and spreading that positivity, right? Yeah, 100%. And also, you know, when it comes to sharing information, you hear a lot of times people say, oh, you have to be posting on social media often and you have to be sending out emails often and multiple times a week and so forth and so on. And part of me as a, a marketer wants to say, yes, that's true. But another part of me says, sometimes when you overwhelm people with messages, it's too much information, they shut down, they pull away. Yep. If it's not interesting to them, if it's boring content to them, they tune out. So I like to reframe it and think, you know, what is the best quote bang for your buck when it comes to marketing? Mm -hmm. And really the reason I'm an advocate for public relations is that PR is the art of getting other people to spread the good word about your brand on your behalf. Mm -hmm. And therefore that information is far more credible when it's coming from a trusted third party. Right. If you hear from a great news source that my organization is thriving, you're more likely to trust that information than if I'm telling you my organization is thriving. Even if so it's when true. You talk about partnerships, that's where the credibility factor comes in. Sure. Um, and one of the things I like to talk about with organizations is how do you establish what's newsworthy, what's worth talking about? Um, and it's actually better to hold off on bombarding people with messages and really focus on what's most important, what's mm -hmm. most newsworthy. Um, is it urgent? Is it something that a lot of people are going to benefit from? Um, is it local? Is, is this an issue that a particular media outlet or publication would want to cover? When you talk about that visibility aspect of reaching new people, that's really the heart of it. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, Garrett, if I'm blasting information out to my audience, the only people that are going to hear it that's my audience. Yep. It's not this broader public that I want to reach. It's not all these other people that don't yet know about my organization. So those media partnerships are really key and determining what's valuable information for them will help in building a media relations strategy that really gets yeah. results. Yeah. And you know, everything you said just reminds me of, uh, uh, a research study that I read. Yeah, I'm a nerd. I read studies. I find them entertaining and interesting. Uh, but the, this specific paper that I read was about viral marketing, right? And, and how 
for something to go viral, it needs to have a certain, uh, and they mathed it out, certain coefficient of shareability, right? Um, what are some of the things that you think make something viral, something that makes it shareable so that it extends beyond just this audience that you're talking about, right? And, and whether that's with PR relation companies or if that's just in, in general, the public getting them to share stuff, are those separate different answers? Are they different questions? I don't know. Uh, what are you thinking about this kind of shareability kind of thing? Yeah, I think shareability really rests on interest and figuring out what your audience cares about, um, you know, topically in terms of issues. When it comes to using media, third-party media uh, to gain results, it's really valuable to establish those relationships early and by industry and by topic. For example, if I am a tech company or a tech-funded nonprofit, it's mm -hmm. to my advantage to build relationships with reporters and media outlets that cover tech yeah. because they're going to start to think of me as a resource. They're going to start to come after me when they're writing an article about something else, and I get to be the person that gives them a quotation or an opinion because I am a trusted source now. And anybody mm -hmm. who reads that article isn't reading about me saying I'm the best organization out there. It's a media outlet saying this is an expert on this particular topic. So right. when you think of tech, think of XYZ organization. Yep. Talk about great PR. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like that that exact example you use remind me of something that's going on right now. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called Signal. It's a private messaging app, right? And it just overtook Twitter yesterday in terms of popularity and downloads on the app store exceeded 1.3 million in the past four days. Oh, wow. Because Elon Musk tweeted, use signal, two words. And that the level of authority that he has, even in the, just in the tech world, right? That allowed a lot of people to be like, I'll trust signal if Elon trusts it, right? And so building ourselves into the position where we can be that trusted source of information, become that expert. And so what you're saying is that by building relationships with PR companies, we'll be able to grow our organization um, in, in other places that aren't those PR companies, right? Right, right. So these PR companies and these media outlets and news stations, when they start to look at us as a trusted source, mm -hmm. then the grand public starts to look at us as a trusted source. Right. And again, because it's coming from them and not from me, it's therefore perceived as being more credible. Uh, so I, I encourage organizations to spend a lot of time thinking about how they're going to build those external relationships mm -hmm. rather than just hammering home the same few messages to their existing audience. Mm -hmm. uh, because that doesn't result in growth. Right. It's good engagement and you want yeah. that, but it's, it's not going to grow the organization's impact. Um, the other areas that I think are really key is when we talk about, you know, that existing base, you have your quote, repeat customers, sure. uh, taking it to the next level for them results in new business for you. Yes. So if you provide a positive experience and people love what you do, People are just going to keep coming back for more and more of it, right? Agreed. You're going to get new business that way. Um, one of the quotes that I absolutely love, uh, it's by Walt Disney. It says, do what you do so well that they will want to see it again and bring their friends. I love that quotation because it means everything. Keep doing what you're doing well. You'll gain fans and followers. 
And then they'll bring their friends. So that's new people coming in to the organization, coming in as volunteers, as donors. Uh, that's where the growth lie. Well, then I guess I should start getting better at my backflip. <laughs> um, no, that's 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 amazing. I, I love that quote and, and everything you just said is is really important. And, and I, I hope that anyone listening is taking notes and, and really taking to heart the importance that this is going to have, not just now, but even later down the road. Because, you know, I, I think you would agree with me that this is a trend we're seeing as time goes on, relationships are becoming more and more important than ever before, right? Especially in a time where a lot of relationships have been um, in the midst of a lot of difficulty to be in fellowship and to be built and, and to be maintained, right? Especially between an organization and, the, and, and their audience, right? Mm-hmm. So could you give me some examples of how a nonprofit got in a relationship with a PR company or how any organizations listening could do that right now without having to have an enormous budget for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the most crippling things for nonprofits is they're often on a limited budget or have just a couple of staff members. And perhaps one of those staff members doesn't handle marketing or PR, uh, in which case it's extremely valuable to find partners in the community that do that kind of work. So whether you're able and can afford to hire an agency to do that nonprofit PR work for you or find volunteers in your network who do that kind of work at mm. no expense, just out of pure in-kind donation, is yeah. extremely valuable for you. Um, a lot of forms of marketing are very expensive. Advertising can be expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't say don't do those things because those things can really help build visibility. Right. But if you're on a tight budget, one of the best things you can invest in is public relations because yeah. it is the least expensive and often has some of the best results you're going to find in marketing. Yeah. And I mean, when you're building relationships, like you said, volunteers are giving you service for free that otherwise would possibly cost thousands of dollars. Right. Um, I know a buddy of mine, him and I are great friends. And so we run things by each other from time to time, but like he's told me a couple of times, he's like, dude, that, 10 minute conversation we just had, I would have charged like three grand to one of my clients to do that for them. I was like, thanks, bro. I appreciate it. He's like, don't worry about it. You've helped me plenty. And it's like, that's, that's what a relationship does. Right. And, and now I'm, I, I don't want to say don't support your friends' businesses, always support your friends' businesses. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to ask for a discounted meal or whatever. I want to support you. So I'll pay full price, but at the same time, coming together and working on it together is a, is a great way for that relationship to be built, you know? Um, I'm so glad you're talking about this because I think this is really feeds into our conversation about, you know, that positive experience you're providing and sharing, you know, useful information and then really thinking about acts of service, what you're talking about. It's about doing nice things for other people. It's not about taking advantage of people and not paying for services per se. It's about how can I help you and how can you help me? And you think of acts of service, if I, um, as an individual, reach out to a nonprofit and I say, you know, I have experience working in your program. Can you write a letter of recommendation or be a reference for me? Why not say yes? Or, you know, I'm, I'm hosting an event. I would really like you to attend. If at all possible, try to attend. I need a volunteer for a one day thing. Can you help me out? Try to say yes, because every time you are helpful to another organization, to another business, to another individual, 
that creates a positive feel good marketing experience where they remember you and they mm-hmm. say, you know what? Garrett came out for me. Last time I asked Garrett for a favor, he showed up, he helped mm-hmm. out and I want to do the same for him. So the next time you have something you're working on, that organization is going to come yeah. back and say, yes, I'm here. I want to help. That individual is going to say, yes, I want to volunteer and give my time because I know you would do the same for me. I, I can vouch for that firsthand. That's happened for me on both sides so many times. Right. And, and again, that's just relationship. That's kindness. That's acts of service. Right. And we, I think we as a society have gotten away from businesses and missions and organizations being predicated on relationships because that's how, that's how business is done. It just is right. You're not going to buy from someone you hate. You're not going to buy from someone that you don't trust or don't like. Um, and, and the only way that you're going to know, like, and trust someone is if you build a relationship with them. Right. And I, I really appreciate how there's kind of this refocusing going on right now in terms of building relationships. Right. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of convoluted to say as an organization, we should build a relationship with these, with our audience, with our individuals. And that's absolutely true. But I think that it's even more granular than that, that the individuals in the organization, not the organization as an entity, are the ones building the relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of, for a lot of my clients, personally speaking, like they'll buy my service because of me, not because of the platform or the company that I'm with, right? And, And at the same time, as I build my own business, that's how I want customers to be acquired. I want them to buy it because they love me and they know I can help not just because I rattled off a bunch of facts and statistics that hit all their criteria, you know, and I think the same thing exists for organizations and nonprofits when it comes to getting people to buy into that mission, because when we find common ground through a common purpose or mission slash vision, now we have that foundation on which we can build a relationship in order to leverage this non-traditional marketing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I'm rattling on, but like another Gary V story uh, that he said was really awesome. In my opinion, he told one of his guys after a meeting, Hey, go look up that guy on LinkedIn, Facebook, Google, wherever you can find information about him, find something he likes. Okay, cool. He likes the dolphins, buy him a dolphins Jersey, send it to him in a basket. And they closed the deal because of that, because they hadn't had the conversation but he learned about them and he was personal. It's like, Hey, I know you like the dolphins. Here's a Jersey of your favorite player, yada, yada, yada. I close a way bigger deal than that Jersey costs. Right. And an organization can do the same thing. Right. Even through what I, it's not even really trivial, but like you can give awards to the people that are making a difference in your community and your organization. Even if that, that um, recognition is, is, doesn't include a trophy or a plaque or whatever, even if it's a cheap plaque, you know what I mean? Just that kind of honor, right? What do you, how do you think that that kind of plays into what we're talking about here? Cause I kind of got all, off on a little tangent. You got off on the best tangent. This whole idea of gratitude of finding ways to appreciate others and say, thank you can go a long, long way. And I know that a lot of nonprofits are strapped for time. It's hard to take the time to circle back with your most dedicated people, Mm -hmm. your most dedicated sponsors and volunteers and, and the people who you serve, but it is so important. 
And I don't just mean saying thank you once a year, right around the holidays, right? It's about setting maybe an, a schedule for yourself to say, I need to follow up with these people just to check in, just to tell them thank you, just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you or, or what are you working on where I can provide value? Um, that kind of proactive approach can go a long, long way uh, in terms of making people feel good. Uh, yeah. Not just handwritten thank you notes and letters, but like you said, maybe a custom gift. Now, the flip side of that is you have to be careful because I don't think any sponsor wants to see you spending money and quote the wrong places. Right, but yeah. <laughs> it's nice to send a little token of appreciation, let people know that you appreciate them and that you're thinking about them um, sure. and that you, you really value their time. For sure. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Do you have any, uh, any like exercises or strategies that we might be able to leverage in order to do something like this? Yeah, honestly, I think a lot of it comes down to looking at how you spend your individual time. You know, we kind of tapped around this point earlier, which is that an organization or a business is only as good as the people who are running it. And if those people aren't dedicated and caring and aren't authentic, then any kind of um, relationship that the organization is building just isn't going to work. So you have to have the right people in place. Uh, so if you're thinking about hiring, making sure you have good people, all it takes is one bad interaction for someone to throw up their hands and say, I'm all done. I'm not going to work with this organization anymore because I had right. a negative experience. Uh, get those good people in place, treat them well uh, so that they feel good and feel capable of continuing to serve as well as taking the time to map out a schedule and say, you know, I'm going to spend 50% of my time on external thank yous and external outreach to make sure my stakeholders feel taken care of. And I'm going to spend the other 50% of my time on internal relations and making sure that my coworkers and that my staff and that anybody who I work with internally feels good, feels capable, feels like they're able to really serve to their highest, highest level. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So when, when we say that the organization is only as good as the parts that make it up, right? Um, we certainly should be cautious in, in who we bring into our organization and, and, and kind of buy into the mission with them, right? Um, and, and so it does come down to individual relationships. When it comes to that kind of external or internal outreach and, and maintaining of relationships, um, what are some what are some ways that you would recommend doing that? Like, is it better to send a, an Instagram DM saying, Hey, yo, I appreciate you. Or, or would it be better to send an email? Um, I mean, obviously it's going to depend on the person to a certain extent, but uh, are there any trends that you see of one being more successful or, or one being preferred or something like that? Yeah. I'd say my general sense is responding to people in the way in which they reach out to me. Mm. And, and with that, if someone likes to text, then I'm going to text back. If someone likes to email, I'm going to email back. If someone likes to talk on the phone, I'm going to call them. And it's really hard to take that custom approach, but it's effective. It's very effective in thinking, maybe I need to think of different ways to reach specific people, depending on their comfort level, their interest. How can I let them lead and make them feel supported? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that part of that's because it's, it, it matters more to people when they can tell that there's actual effort and then it's not just scaled con uh, like scaled interaction. Right. It's kind of hard to uh, automate a phone call and a phone conversation. Right. 
it, it's kind of hard to auto, automate an audio message that, that says their name or, or specific information about that. But it's, it's way easier to just copy and paste an email. Um, but I mean, if you customize the email a lot, obviously it's very personal. And so I think that personalization aspect is also really important to it because like I said, I think the secret to this non-traditional marketing that you're talking about is just be an authentic human, right? Just build <laughs> relationships with people, right? I think that that's kind of the secret that you're talking about to, non-pro- uh, to, to non-traditional marketing, regardless of whether it's a nonprofit or, or a business, right? So I think that this is foundational for everyone, but it's especially applicable here in the, in the Comeback Summit because it's, it's needed, right? Mm-hmm. So what could we do right now um, that is kind of in line with the pandemic, right? Because it's definitely rattled a bunch of cages. Um, does that change anything about right now and how we reach out to people and how we communicate with them? Absolutely. And, you know, I said at the beginning that I'm so glad you're hosting this event because this is a really crucial and critical time for nonprofits. Unfortunately, many are facing difficult times, especially those that thrive off of event or program-based revenue that's based on in-person interactions. Um, Those who have not successfully adapted or moved online are really suffering. Uh, Unfortunately, there are a number of surveys out there that say that within the next 12 months, about a third of nonprofits will shut down and close due to pandemic or COVID related conditions. Mm -hmm. And that number gets even worse if you look at it over the course of three years. They say 40% of nonprofits will fail. And if you look around you today and you think of all the nonprofits you know, and you imagine that four out of 10 may not be here by the end of this three year period, that's absolutely shocking. So the organizations that are able to adapt and adjust are going to be the ones that survive um, and everyone else, unfortunately, won't. Uh, So this is a very critical time to be having this conversation and to be thinking about different ways to engage um, and reach new audiences. Yeah, absolutely. That's very scary to think about. Do you think that there's any way nonprofits can come together in order to prevent that much closing down, whether that's partnerships or just better marketing or, or, or or do you think that it's outside of really the scope of their own ability to fix this problem or this probability? Well, I think you're looking at two very different variables that are going to kind of come to a clash. It's one, some of it's just beyond our control. Yeah. These bigger world circumstances, but the organizations also have an eye on what they're doing and can plan accordingly and can be agile to actually adjust in real time, they can survive. They can make a difference. Um, But it's a matter of how open are they to adjusting and changing uh, in the face of this adversity. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, we talked about this earlier with, with Jeremy Turner and in like proper prior planning, having a, a, a strategy in place for a succession plan and continuity. And then we also talked to Heather Safkin about uh, just general strategy plans. And, and that's kind of one of the things we talked about in those sessions as well is it's going to be more important than ever for people to be planning ahead because no one was expecting this. And uh, it was it's hard to be prepared for something like this, mm-hmm. right? And we can't just assume it's going to go back to normal. So we have to be ready for the, like we prepare for the worst and hope for the best, you know? Um, is there, is there any kind of golden nuggets you want to drop uh, that, that might be helpful uh, for people to understand 
how to gain more visibility for their nonprofit using non-traditional marketing methods? Mm -hmm. It really comes back to that feel good marketing idea of looking at what you're doing and asking yourself, does this make people feel good? Memes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe it's memes. It's does this make people feel good? Does it keep them coming back? Does it make them want to promote your brand, create that word of mouth? And, uh, One of the things that, you know, we didn't really get a chance to cover, but I think it's super important is this concept of the limelight and sharing credit with other organizations and not just Mm -hmm. saying me, 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 but rather, you know, my audience could benefit from this information. I'm going to share this other organization's information, or I'm going to share this scholarship because it's valuable to to students, or I'm going to share this news because it could be an absolute saving grace for a certain group that I'm working with. That kind of thinking, that feel good thinking of serving others first. Sometimes we call it what's in it for you or for me. What's in it for me. Yeah. (laughs) The with them. Uh, That idea is such a positive, refreshing breath of fresh air for the organizations and the individuals who are feeling just absolutely zapped with all the negativity that's out there. Um, that's my golden nugget. (laughs) Do good things. Dude, that resonates with me so much because, you know, I I don't ever call myself altruistic because I'm not, and I don't think anyone is, but I am selfishly selfless, right? I derive pleasure from helping people. That's why I do it, right? But I know my heart. My heart is to help people. That's what makes me happy. So even though I'm doing it for my own pleasure, it's still good, right? And, And I see a lot of it. But sometimes it would be nice to see that become more prevalent in people's thinking and the way that organizations approach situations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the silver lining here is that nonprofits, thankfully, attract good people who want to do good things. True. Let's see that trend continue and, uh, and we'll hopefully get to a really much better place than, than where we are right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. Your insight and information was invaluable. I think it's going to be uh, super helpful for everyone listening and watching right now. Um, How can people get in contact with you if they want to talk to you or or, or learn more about what you do or or how they can leverage non-traditional marketing in their organization? Well, I would love to hear from anybody who wants to follow up on non-traditional marketing or just talk about the current state of nonprofits today. Um, I am on LinkedIn and I'm also available at Oregon PR. So if you contact me at Kyle at OregonPR.org, happy to set up a time to chat with you. I'd love to learn more about what you're working on an individual level. There you go. That's, that's what you got. And uh, if you don't remember what she said, you can text the, the word uh, Kyle. And I realized I didn't change my virtual background before now, which is my fault. Sorry about that. Um, if, if you text Kyle to 888-357-4456, that's Kyle to 888-357-4456. That's going to give you all the contact info she just talked about. It'll allow you to get into contact with her, see a little bit more about Oregon PR and everything that they're doing over there, which is absolutely phenomenal. So Kyle, thank you so much for coming on today. Everyone else, thank you so much uh, for attending and tuning in. I hope this was helpful and uh, I'm eager to see you guys tomorrow. This is the last session of today.
And uh, so for tomorrow, we're going to be kicking the day off with Jessica, Jessica Koch uh, talking about little known facts about affiliate programs for nonprofits and why they matter. Right. So uh, how can an, uh, an organization leverage an affiliate program for their benefit? And I think that this is going to be a value packed session that you won't want to miss. Um, if you haven't signed up for it yet, you can still do so uh, by texting event 13 to the summit number I read earlier. That's event 13, no spaces. That'll sign you up, give you the link for uh, your workshop, and then uh, you'll be able to go from there. So hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we're signing off for now. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.